You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. And this, this morning, I want to share with you briefly on what I call knowing the heart of the Father. Or knowing the heart of your Heavenly Father. You need to know His heart. Because uh, many people have a distorted view and understanding of God. A lot of us, our understanding of God has been painted by religion. Some of us, our understanding of God was painted by the wrong images of, of fathers that society has shown to us. The word father in the Greek is pata. And it means one who imparts life. Okay? And is committed to it. So, one that imparts life and is committed to that life. So, he doesn't just impart and then walk away. That's not fatherhood. He imparts life, but he's committed to it. It also means a progenitor. Okay? It means bringing into being. To bring into being. So if somebody is a father, he will birth certain things into your life. Bring into being certain things. Alright? And also brings to pass your potential. Especially your potential for likeness. Or being just like, like him. So you, on, you now understand why it is easy to have a baby, having a child does not make you a father. Do you understand? Having a child is easy. Being a father is not. And that's why we find a lot of fatherlessness in the nation. How many people, let me just ask this, how many people here did not grow up with both parents? Raise your hand, let me see. Up quickly, high up. All right. Myself included. You see. And that's not, it's not supposed to be. But, unfortunately, Sometimes it's by, it's, it's not on purpose. There are different circumstances that led to that, and we're not dealing with that. But the point is that the father has a role, a very significant role in the life of a child. Because when the father speaks, there is something he does to the soul of that child. something it does 
brings definition. It brings identity. Do you understand? It builds security. It just, it's amazing. But it's God the Father that gave the earthly fathers that, that ability. Do you understand? Because when the father affirms a child, you can't get it anywhere else. There is no other affirmation that can be up to that. Are you getting my point? And that's why, and as I speak about this, I speak to the men in the house. Please don't abdicate your responsibility. Doesn't matter how tough it is, stick to it. God will see you through. If you want to be a good father, be close to your heavenly father. If you are not close to your heavenly father, you will have a you will have a you will be a distorted father. Because fatherhood is like a calling. You know, it's I don't know how best to put it. I just put it like that. It's, it's a calling. And one day you will account for it. So you better take it serious. So it applies biologically, it applies spiritually. Same principle. Uh, God, our heavenly father, is we all came out of him. Do you understand? We all came out of him. Do you know that before you were born, the father had you in himself? I mean, your birth did not, is not what determined your existence. You were, exist, you were in existence in him. Before you were conceived, it was a decision of the father that you got conceived. Do you understand me? It was the Father's decision that you, God conceived, at this time, in this generation. You could have come during the time of Moses, but he decided that this is the best time for you to be alive, to be around. Why? Because what the way he has wired you, the best place, the best season for you to flourish is in this generation. Because there are some people that were born 4,000 years ago. That was the best time for them to flourish according to what he has invested into them. But for you and I, we are privileged to be part of this generation. Because I believe this is the generation that will see the greatest manifestation. Manifestations that people like Elijah wish they had experienced. Manifestations that people like Moses will wish they had experienced. That is the day we are living in. So you are privileged. And you need to be grateful to the Father for making you a part of this generation. So you, you didn't just happen. You were sent. Do you understand me? 
you were sent. You didn't know, but I'm telling you. Some of you knew, but some don't know. You were sent. It didn't just happen. You're not a mistake. Even if your parents say you're a mistake, it's a lie. It's because they don't know. You're not a mistake. The father doesn't make mistakes. That's, he, he doesn't make mistakes. He, there's no record of him ever making a mistake. So it cannot start with you. <laughs> Are you getting my point? Yeah. So the father in those days had, if you, if you understand, in biblical terms, in, in fact, ancient times, the father has tremendous power. I'm not just talking about Heavenly Father. I'm talking natural now. The Father has tremendous power. The Father could decide what you become. The Father can sell his son. Can decide to sell him. He had the right. He could arrange your marriage for you. Yeah. The father could decide, okay, um, you're going to marry. <laughs> Thank God you're already married. <laughs> yeah. So the father would decide. It's like, in, you, you see that in the life of Abraham. It was, Isaac was an adult. And if it's time. Uh, Isaac, okay, it's time for marriage. It's not, it's not Isaac coming to Abraham to say, uh, Dad, I have found one. <laughs> no, 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 no. In those days, it was not like that. The father will decide, okay, now is the time. Okay? And he decides where you have to marry from. What family the father would have that final say. And interestingly, God backed him. Yes? How many people would love your father to have that kind of power? No? Okay. Yeah, some people. <laughs> it depends on who the father is, right? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but the point is this, the, the father had tremendous power, so much that the father could even sacrifice his child. And it was, it was okay. It was okay. That's why Abraham could take Isaac to the altar. Why? He had the power to. He had the power to. Take the knife and... In the name of the Lord. Now, if earthly fathers had that kind of power, what kind of power does your heavenly father have? <laughs> what kind of power? 
tremendous power. Tremendous power. In fact, God is so humble, he's not using his power. God, if he starts using it now. <laughs> he can shift this nation like overnight. Everybody will look for a church to get saved. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. He just needs to show up once. And everybody, I'm telling you, they will be shaking. Their bones, everything will shake. If he decides to, to show his power, my goodness. But because he's humble, the Bible says he humbles himself to even behold the things that happen in heaven. That's what the Bible says. So your father is humble. He has too much power. Too much power. Look at all that he created just in, in six days. What kind of power is that? Your mind can't even grasp it. You can't even begin to grasp it. So much that he had to rest on the seventh day. And I've said before that his rest on the seventh day was not because he was tired. He was reducing, he was like putting a stop to the, to the release of power. So your father is powerful. Power. Power. And I've not met him face to face, but I'm looking forward to that. We'll meet him. We'll meet him. But I've heard people that have met him describe him. He's scary. <laughs> but at the same time, he's loving. Amen. Somebody said when she met the father, it was like, um, like millions of volts. Of love. You know when you get electrocuted? But yeah, it's love electrocuting you. <laughs> yeah, it's like millions of volts. Bah! Love. That's your father. Amazing. You see, when you read the Bible and you see you, you, you hear about God. You need to also make a distinction between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Because there is a distinction. In uh, 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, the last verse of 2 Corinthians chapter 13, we see there that Paul is giving a benediction. He says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Huh? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what? The love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. So you see, when he's talking about grace, he talks about Jesus. When he talks about love, it's the Father. You see, it's the Father. 
The Father is the embodiment of love. So all that power that he has is love. And of course the Holy Spirit, sweet communion. Fellowship. Communion. The koinonia. Huh? That's what the Greek word says. Koinonia. That means sharing. That means joint participation. The Holy Spirit is the one that makes us to experience, to enjoy the love of the Father. Father is powerful. So if the Father, if your Father is an embodiment of love, that means you should be an embodiment of love. Are you following me? We must be full of love. In fact, we must become love. Why? Because we were made in his image. If we were made in his image, we should be like that. A Christian should not be full of hate. That's not the nature of God. Where did that come from? There are Christians you get around and you wonder who their father is. Jesus said to the Pharisees in the book of John, he says, you are of your father the devil. The works of your father will you do. You're of your father the devil. These are religious people. They are church people. Church people, Jesus called them children of the devil. Church people, can you imagine? Somebody's in church, but his father is in Satan. How is that? It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. You have your father, God. You are of Jehovah. Hallelujah. Where is that scripture? I thought you would open it for me. Hmm? In the book of John. Chapter 8. Where is it? Forty-four. Okay, that's right. Now Jesus was talking, talking to these guys, right? The Pharisees, starting verse from verse uh, from verse thirty-seven. He says, "I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me, because my word has no place in you." So when God's word doesn't have a place in our lives, there are certain things we begin to do. Do you understand? When you begin to do things, when, when you don't allow God's word to take root in your life, you will be surprised at what you begin to do. You begin to do things that are not of God. Because the word has not taken root. He says, I speak what I have seen with my father. This is Jesus. What I love about Jesus is that 
You notice that he never attributes anything to himself. He never took any glory. I mean, this was God in the flesh. Some of us, we want to take glory all the time. But Jesus never did. It's John that told us that he was in the beginning. Without him was not anything made that was made. That's the word. He was the word made flesh. Right? But now we see. Look at him. He says, I speak what I have seen with my father. And you do what you have seen with your father. Hello? I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. These are religious people. Church people. So I'm not fooled because someone is speaking in tongues. I'm not fooled because someone says, praise the Lord, hallelujah. I look for the nature of the father. All right? And they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. <laughs> and Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Isn't that? If you are Abraham's children, you will do the works of Abraham. You're saying you're claiming that Abraham is your father. But where are the works of Abraham in your life? Where is the faith of Abraham? Where is the love that Abraham had? Where is the humility that Abraham had? They didn't have it. Religious pride was killing them. Hmm? Yes. And he says, but now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. Did Abraham kill anybody for speaking the truth? Why are you trying to kill me for speaking the truth? That's what Jesus is asking them. Hmm? It says, you do the deeds of your father. So, in other words, we can tell who someone's father is from what he does. Now, these are descendants of Abraham Jesus is talking to. And yet, Jesus is divorcing them from Abraham. Does that not speak something? Yeah. So, if we look biologically, maybe they, they, yeah, they, they are the, the, the children of Abraham, biologically. But Jesus is saying, the spirit you are carrying has cut you off from Abraham's lineage. Amen? And they said to him, we are not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Can you see? Religion has entered. They are now beginning to bring 
<laughs> they are trying to use scripture now to validate themselves. But Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. Is that not true? If God is your father, you would love me. But obviously, you, you cannot love me and kill me. If you want to kill me, it's because you hate me. And God is not like that. Yes? Why do they want to kill Jesus? Because he's telling the truth. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. I'm amazed at Jesus' humility. He says he didn't even come on his own. He was sent by the Father. He was on an errand by the Father. The Father sent him to the earth to come and suffer. Amazing, right? But that is the Father's heart. He will send his Son to you. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You cannot listen to my word, so why are you going to understand? You won't understand. Huh? You're not able to. Then he now says, you are of your father. <laughs> Who? The devil. Telling them who their father is. In case that you don't know, let me introduce your father to you. <laughs> Satan, the devil, the one that killed from the beginning. You want to kill me because he is your father. You're doing his works. Yes? The desires of your father you want to do. Can you see? So the desires you are carrying can also reveal who your father is. It's amazing. So we can decipher whose father it is. There are a lot of times you look at a child and you just know who the father is, isn't it? When you look at mine, you see. I remember years ago, Pastor Sam, there was, there was a, a brother in the church who was busy beating his wife. And the report came, and he was summoned. And this man was trying to make excuses. I didn't know who he was talking to. Pastor Sam said, don't call me daddy. Don't even try. He says, you did not learn this from me. From now on, I cut you off. Get out of my sight. Do not return to me. And the man was still trying to say, get out. I don't want to see you. You don't belong here. You don't belong to my life. You don't belong. You, you, you have no part in me. Get out. You're carrying a strange seed. 
the works can reveal the power. You're calling me your father? And you're doing this? Have you ever seen me do that? Where did you learn that from? It's a spiritual reality. So, he says, the works of your father you do, right? The desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. Can you see? The what? Father. The source of lies. He's the progenitor of lies. He's the one that sustains lies. Just like God is the father of lights, he is the one that gives life. He sustains life. He woke you up this morning. His breath is what you are breathing today. Because he is the father. The Bible calls him the father of all spirits in the book of Hebrews. He's called the father of all spirits. Now, Satan is the father of lies. He's the father of lies. He is a murderer. He's the father of murderers. He's the father of murderers. He's the one that inspired Cain to kill his brother. Now he's trying to inspire them to kill Jesus. God is not like that. Your father is a loving father. Amen? He's a father that gives life. When the father comes in, life is breathed into everything. But when Satan comes in, all the life escapes. <laughs> it brings death. Amen. Amen. Look at Hebrews 12, 9. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? Who is the father of spirits? It's God. He's the father of spirits. All spirits came out of him. Although some went astray. But he is the sustainer. Amen? Father of spirits. But let me show you. Let's look at a scripture just to to see his heart. Um, Luke chapter 14. A popular parable that Jesus gave. To reveal the heart of the Father. St. Luke's Gospel. Uh, Not 14, 15, sorry. From verse 11. Look at the heart of the Father. It says, Then he said, A certain man had two sons. Yes? The younger of them said to his father, Father, Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, 
and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his field to feed swine. And when he would gladly had filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Oh my goodness, this is sad. You are a prince in your father's house. You leave your father's house and you go somewhere to become a slave. And you are competing for food with pigs. <laughs> what humiliation. Yes? Then the verse 17, he says, But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. He, he, he now, he, when he came to himself, I like what the Bible says, when he came to himself. In other words, he was not himself. So sometimes people do things and you look at them, you don't know that they are not themselves. They are out of their minds. There is another spirit that has taken over their minds and that's why they do what they do. So he was not himself. Now, as he was busy eating what belongs to pigs, the Bible says he came to himself. May everyone who, is, who has lost his mind come to himself. Amen. In the name of Jesus, anyone in your family that has lost his mind, may he come to himself. I command their spirit to come back. I command their minds to come back. I command their soul to come back Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come back to yourself. Come back to your senses. Yes. In the name of Jesus. Amen. He now said to himself, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger here. He now realized, My father has a lot of workers. And none of them starves. None of them starves. But I'm here starving. It's better for me to work for my father. And be paid a worker's wage. Than to be here suffering. Amen? Then verse, verse 18 he says, I will arise and go to my father. And will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He's not even asking to be a son. Because he knows he has squandered his opportunity. Do you understand? And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him. And ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Oh my. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. 
and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Amen? But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. They threw a party. He threw a party for this guy. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he was received, uh, has come and because he was received. Oh, I can't see very well. Let me look at the screen. Okay. Your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. Uh-huh. But he was angry and will not go in. Religion. That is religion. He will not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. Huh? So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. Hmm? But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with halots. How did he know with halots? <laughs> Was he there? See how religion operates. Hmm? You kill the fatted calf for him. And look at what the father says. And he said to him, son, you are always with me. And all that I have is yours. All that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Hallelujah. That's the heart of the father. You see. You need to be careful even in God's house. You, you, you need to always check the heart of the father, not the heart of the brother. Not the heart of the brother. The heart of the brother is not accurate. It's the heart of the father that you should check. How does the father relate with this person? You relate with that person according to the heart of the father, not according to the heart of the brother. Do you understand? Hey, this, this guy, his father is trying to help him to understand. It was right for us. Can't you see? Your brother was dead. He was dead. Now he's alive. He's back to his senses. This is like someone getting out of hell. We should celebrate. How many people do you know that have escaped from hell? He has escaped from hell. We should be merry. And besides, all I have is yours. In other words, what he's saying, the brother, the, the, the big brother, is 
Listen, anytime you want a party, throw one. Did you ever ask and you were denied? You see? So religion judges people. The father doesn't. The heart of the father is different. Many people are looking at the heart of the brother instead of the heart of the father. The Bible says while the, bro the, the boy was coming from afar off, the father was standing. Let's go back to, let's go to that verse. Put, where is he? The father saw him afar off. Try to locate that verse now. While he was still walking and coming from afar, somebody help me locate that verse. Verse 20. Okay, thank you. All right. It's on the screen. All right. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, look at the heart of the father. All right? His father saw him. In other words, the father was standing outside looking. For the day the son will come. In other words, every day the father is looking out. Is he going to come to his senses and come back? He's always looking out. He's always on the lookout for his son that has gone astray. He's always looking out for the lost sheep. That's the heart of the father. He's always looking out so that he can show mercy. He's looking for the slight repentance. You understand? The slightest repentance. That's what he's looking for. That's what the father is looking for. Religion is looking for how to destroy him. Destroy him. How could he do such a thing? How can he do such a... What, what kind of blunder is this? I want to crush him. You see, even when, you see, even when God is judging someone, in his judgment, there is mercy. But religion is merciless. Merciless. They will kill you right in church. Why? Because of the heart of the brother. The big brother. The big brother heart. We must kill that heart in this church. It's not welcome here. We only want the heart of the father. Do you understand? The heart of the father. Your father is loving. Your father is merciful. Paul says, God who is rich in mercy. In Ephesians chapter 2. He, he, he's rich in mercy. Do you know what? He's generous in mercy. Hallelujah. You know what mercy is, right? You know the difference between grace and mercy? Right. For those of you that don't know, grace is when God gives you what you don't deserve unmerited 
somebody says unmerited favor. Somebody says grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Right? That's grace. I also like to add grace is unmerited ability. There are abilities you have. You didn't merit them. God gave them to you. That is grace. Hallelujah. I also want to add grace is unmerited opportunities. Hallelujah. There are opportunities you don't deserve. But when grace is released to you, the opportunities are made available to you. Grace is unmerited opportunity. Unmerited favor. Hallelujah. That's grace. That's grace. So it's always got to do with what you don't merit. And that's why we started by looking at that scripture. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the dispenser of grace. Hallelujah. Unmerited. But mercy, oh my goodness, is the other side of the coin. Grace is one side. Mercy is the other side of the coin. Mercy is you not getting what you deserve. You deserve to be killed. But mercy said no. Hallelujah. Mercy said no. I love that song. You deserve to be uh, punished. But mercy said no. So even in God's judgment, there is mercy. The heart of the Father is always merciful. He's always merciful. Let me tell you, you've seen, if you say, God forgive me, he will forgive you, right? And he'll be merciful to you. But there are certain things, there are consequences that come. Amen? They will come. But he's not going to hold anything against you. You reap what you sow, right? Correct? Yeah. It's like you go sleeping around, you end up with a child. What happens? Those are the consequences. He will forgive you and he will give you grace. But you have the baby. Come on. Yeah. Or if you go shooting all over the place and you kill people, you say, God, forgive me. You are forgiven. But then you go to jail, right? Yeah, you go to jail. You are forgiven, but you are in jail. You have the opportunity to still make it to heaven. That's why you get to heaven, you'll be surprised. You'll find some murderers, some people that you, you think don't deserve to be there. But the heart of the Father... The heart of the Father will shock many religious people in heaven. I'm telling you. Because you are saying, no, this person doesn't deserve this. This person doesn't deserve that. That's what you think. You better check with the heart of the Father. Is that, is that what the Father is saying? Hmm? So even in this church, you need to watch how you respond to people. People say certain things, they do certain things. You need to check because if, you, if I'm not doing it, you better not go and do it. Don't be overzealous. Yeah, I didn't send you. 
Don't go make enemies on my behalf. I don't want any. Yeah. Okay. If somebody is stabbing me, I will just be loving him to death. Don't hate him. Just love him. Hallelujah. That's how it should be. Some people like to go and pick battles that nobody sent them to fight. Yeah? Don't be like that. Let's be loving. Let's be merciful. Let's be gracious. Let's be kind. Hallelujah. But let's not compromise the truth. Because people confuse it. It's interesting. You know, the scripture we just read in Hebrews. If, if, if we're being disciplined, chastised by our earthly fathers, how much more? God. God will discipline you. I'm telling you. He's a disciplinarian, but a balanced one. When he disciplines, he disciplines properly. He does it with, with tons of love. The discipline is sandwiched in love. So he's hating you, but he's loving you. It's amazing. Uh, he loves you so much, he won't allow you to remain the same. Say, Lord, help me. <laughs> help me to understand you. Help me to understand your heart. I want to know you, Father. I want to reflect you. I want people to know you. When people meet me, let them meet you. I don't want to be like the devil. I don't want to do the works of the devil. I don't want to carry the nature of the devil. Amen. So if your father is always looking for opportunities, to draw people in, we should be like that. The Father is so generous, He would not withhold anything. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God's love is a giving love. It's not a taking love. It's a giving love. We need to be like that. Be a giver if you love God. If you are like your father, you must be generous. God is not stingy. Stinginess is not of God. If you are stingy, who is your father? Who is your father? When we talk about the works of the devil, we only think about killing and all of that. But there are certain things. Stinginess. Is not of God. Touch someone and say stinginess. It's not of God. Don't be stingy. Be generous. Hallelujah. It's not of God. Yeah. You see, people are stingy for various reasons. 
But whatever the reasons are, it's not of God. It's not of God. It's not of God. I'm telling you. That's not the heart of God. God is generous. And we must be generous. This church should be the most generous church in this nation. Hallelujah. This should be the most generous church. Why? Because we should reflect the Father. Whether it is generosity in terms of material things, we should be doing that. Whether it's generosity in being gracious, we should be doing that. Whether it's generosity in, 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 in showing mercy, we should be doing that. Hallelujah. Be generous. Be generous with your time. Make time. Look at what the Father did. Send Jesus. A whole 33 and a half years. Why? Part of generosity. Look at how he, what he has put on the earth. You know that after he, he, after he put Adam on the earth, put all the gold and everything, he has not added. That's what we're still living on. But remember, there were only two people when he put all these things that we, seven billion people are enjoying, it was just two people. Talk about generosity. Hallelujah. Generosity, another level. Another level. So, when you, when you give somebody, if God places on your heart to bless someone, don't begin to, um, can he, this is, uh, I think this is too much. Uh, let's, that's another spirit. <laughs> you want to do it? Do it! Do it! Be bold about it. Be godly about it. Hallelujah. Don't slap someone with some blessings that they will never recover. <laughs> Hallelujah! Yes! Give it to them. Hallelujah! I'm looking forward to the way God is going to begin to speak to some of you to do some outrageous things. Because if you walk with him, I'm telling you, he will tell you. He will tell you. If you are open to hear, he will tell you. I don't know, you know, but uh, this is what God is asking me to do. I remember some, some years, let me close with this. In Cape Town. We were going through some things, you know, and uh, there's this lady that came. She came, she visited our church, and after, after that, she came to our house. She came, came into the house. Oh, Eric, you don't have a washing machine? The next day, we, she went and bought a washing machine. Yeah. Uh, you, you, don't have, you don't have this? She would go and buy it. She said, Look, you don't have this. You... So I became uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, I became uncomfortable. So I said to her, um, by the way, you know, I was trying to, she said, you better keep quiet. <laughs> it's none of your business. Yeah. 
That's what she told me. She said, it's between me and God. I said, okay. <laughs> but you know what? After some time, I noticed something. Every Monday, she will pay money into my account. Huh? Every Monday. <laughs> and I'm like, this is strange. And you know what? She was not a member of our church. So I now called her. I said, um, you, know, you know that you're supposed to be tithing in your local church. <laughs> All right? She looks at me. She said, you better not block my blessing. That, I'm, I'm telling you. She said, Did I tell you I'm not tithing in my church? <laughs> she said, Eric, please mind your business. God has spoken to me and you are not going to stop me from doing what he asked me to do. I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> and it continued like that for over a year. Every Monday. Something is troubling. And I'm like, I didn't, I did, I did, I didn't understand. Now, with, you know, with hindsight, I understand. But at that time, I was so uncomfortable. I, I was not used to that kind. But how can somebody hear God like that? In this day and age. Now, if God begins to open things for her, because God eventually, like, my goodness, boom, opened. She had a business. And that's how Russia opened to her. Eastern Europe opened to her like that. And she came, she said, I told you. <laughs> yeah. She ended up with shops. My goodness. But it's, I, I, I mean, I was blown away. I was blown away. She was the one that God used to bless us with a car that I only got to see the owner two years later. The owner of that car. This guy had emigrated to Europe. He left this car, this Honda Ballad, with her. And then at that time, we, we had sold our car to put the money into the ministry. You understand? So we had no car. And we're just, every morning, come on, just walking. <laughs> Hallelujah. Walk into church, take taxis, you know. And uh, hey, I remember those days, Shama was small. Yeah. I would carry him on my shoulder to school. Because there was no taxi on that route. So I walk and walk with him on my shoulder. Hallelujah. Yes. I will walk. Yeah, I'm serious. I will walk. Sometimes I get tired, we stop. He will walk a bit and he says, I'm tired. Then I have to carry him. <laughs> Put him on my, on my shoulder and take him to, um, to, 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 to pre-primary. And then after, I'll walk back to go and pick him and walk back home. <laughs> it was, you know, and I'll see the, the other parents, they come in their fancy cars, you know. Yeah, okay, bye-bye. 
And I just go, I just, I was just doing that, you know. And I'll just be praying, Lord, I just bless your name. I'll just be worshiping God as I'm doing that. Yeah, just, I don't know for how long, but I did it. And one day, you know, I was teaching my children about faith. Um, we're, ha- we're having devotions. I, mean, we re- I read a scripture, and it's like faith. Uh, we walk by faith and not by sight. And then they say, what kind of, what does that mean? I said, it means that you don't live by just what you see. There are things that you don't see, but are there. So I said, okay, we're going to, we're going to uh, practicalize it. We don't have a car. All right? So we're going to ask God for a car. So we held hands and we asked God for a car. Lord, we, we asked for a car and all of that. And then after that, I said to them, okay, fine. Now we have received it by faith. So I said to them, we have received it by faith. So I said to them, each time you get into the garage and you are playing, because they used to play soccer in the garage. When you are playing in the garage, each time you are there, say, Father, we thank you for the car. You know? (laughs) We thank you for the car. So I, I, I taught them that, and each day, sometimes we're praying, we'll say, thank you, Lord, for our car. Thank you, Lord, for our car. And you know what? One day, the car came. God spoke to this woman. This car that this guy left with her, she decided to phone the guy, and she asked the guy if she could buy the car from him. They agreed on the price. They negotiated, she negotiated the price and how much it, how it was going to be paid and all of that. They agreed. So one day I just went out to the shops and of course groceries, I'll carry them. Clement Upper, <laughs> walking, walking, <laughs> you know, all the way home. You're walking, you are tired. You stop a bit and then continue again. I get home, and there's a car in the garage. Okay? So I thought, okay, somebody's visiting. And when I got in, she says, she just throws the keys at me. Eric, that's for you. I say, what? She said, yeah. I said, oh, my Lord. (laughs) She has come again. (laughs) Yeah. So, do you know what? Two weeks later, she phones me. She says, Eric, I can't believe what has happened. I said, what? She said, do you know, that car, I actually negotiated with this guy. And we agreed on a price. I'm going to pay him. He says, he phoned me to say God spoke to him and told him he must not collect a cent for that car. So, he phones her to say, Whoever that guy is, just tell him to be praying for me. God said I must not collect anything. Go for people that hear God, you know. Some of us can't hear such instructions. God can't speak to some people. Some people cannot be an answer to people's prayers. They only want to be an answer to their own prayers. But the Father is generous, and he can use anyone. 
to bless anyone. You understand what I'm saying? Why am I saying this? So you understand the heart of the Father. It was two years later that that guy came to visit Cape Town. And he looked for me. And when I met him, I was thanking him for the card. You know what he says to me? How is the card? I hope he's not giving you a problem. I'm saying, this man, <laughs> what kind of a man is this? He says, oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy that it's not giving you a problem and everything is fine. I, I was just saying, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. He said, why do you thank me? Thank him. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I want you to catch the heart of the Father. Do you want the heart of the Father? Let's stand up on our feet. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.